welcome to episode 27 of the Game All You Podcast. We're talking about palette swaps. I am one of your hosts, Matthew Falvey. And I'm Attila Gabriel Brzezinski of Bluish Green Productions. So palette swaps, if you're not familiar, it is using the same model for a character, an enemy, and then just simply changing the color, and that gives you a couple different benefits. In the example of Street Fighter, Ryu and Ken same model but you change up their colors and all of a sudden you can have two completely well very different uh in terms of personality you can use the personality to change up the character make it feel like you have more characters in a game yeah it's uh sort of comes from the idea that originally consoles could only display a limited um sort of set of colors so sprites were limited in terms of the number of different colors they would use in a single sprite and that was the palette for that sprite and then if you shifted those color values over to like a different set of colors, literally swapping out the palette, then you have a character that is colored differently, looks the same, and then has other like properties or whatever. Yeah, I heard a story about the development of Metroid, which was... Uh, they ha- they encountered a lot of problems because they're using very, very limited technology. And what they found out was that they didn't have enough memory to program other enemies so Mm -hmm. what they would do or sorry they didn't have enough memory to program other weapons so they thought okay let's change the main gun to a freeze gun Mm -hmm. all we have to do is change it from orange metroid orange to blue and then when you shoot an enemy the enemy just turns blue and stops moving yeah and now you have this whole other world and a whole other way to play that took the probably the most minimum amount of memory possible yeah, and I, I think this brings, like, immediately we're kind of launching into some of the best uses for palette swaps, how, like, developers were able to use them creatively and use them to get around memory limitations in early consoles. I think it, when people hear the term palette swap, they almost get, like, this immediately, like, knee-jerk negative reaction of, like, oh, it's just a developer taking a shortcut or being lazy. And sometimes it is. Sometimes you have, Mortal like... Mortal Kombat. <laughs> Well, yeah, the the famous like the ninja trio of like Scorpion, Reptile, and Sub Zero all being Noob, the exact Sabots, same. Yeah, Smoke, yeah. Ermac, it goes Rain. on, it goes on. Um, just all the essentially the same characters, just with a different color vest. Um, but in those games, you know, again, I'm sure they were facing a lot of memory limitations in terms of incorporating those um, sprites which, you know, motion capping them off of, or not not even motion capture, it's just like literally taking people, uh, photos of people wearing costumes. Um, bringing those kind of sprites into a game gave it a very distinctive look and I'm sure took up a lot of memory. So they are only way of creating the complexity of game that they were going for uh, was to sometimes have these situations where they were just switching out the colors on a character. Otherwise the, you know, characters wouldn't have fit on the disc in the case of the recent super smash brothers for wii and 3ds wii u and 3ds um a lot of people complained about the fact that uh in the character roster they included pit and dark pit um the other one was uh marth and lucina i don't remember her name exactly but basically people were saying like oh no we don't want these palette swaps characters we wanted like unique characters And what the developer wrote back was like, listen, we added these, the reason we were even able to add these characters into the game is because we're reusing existing assets. Don't think of them as replacing characters on the roster. They're just simply characters who wouldn't have been part of the game 
if we weren't able to reuse a couple bits of their like models or attacks or that sort of thing. Yeah, so in that case, if it's just a bonus, if the only possible negative is that it upsets the balance of the game, then in general, that's that's a good thing. I mean, you're just giving the player more than what they would have had otherwise. Mm -hmm. I think uh, one of the other um, sort of circumstances in which having a palette swap is a good thing, um, not, and to sort of distinguish, sometimes you can have an uh, enemies like um, when you play Paper Mario, um, which is one of my favorite franchises, when you have the enemies in the game, the Goombas are like the first enemies you encounter. And you have a Goomba, like traditional, as you're used to seeing him. You have a Goomba with a spike hat on his head. And then you have a Goomba with wings. And this sort of situation still kind of falls into the category, not exactly of palette swap, but of like s small, subtle modifications made to a character that it... it um, acts and behaves the same way, but that's actually gives the player an opportunity to get a read on what they're seeing. Um, if they see, oh, this enemy is going to behave like a Goomba and it's going to attack like a Goomba and it has the health of a Goomba, but that one's got a spike on his head, so I can't jump on him. That one has a wing, so I can't hit him with my hammer. I have to jump on him. You know, it, it actually helps the player in terms of their ability to read um, what they're faced with. Yeah, and they actually took that idea into Super Mario World where they would have those floating wings that didn't have anything in between them, where it was it was almost like the same size of a Goomba or whatever. And if you happen to be a Yoshi, you could hop right into those wings and almost uh, play play game developer for a few seconds as you put the wings onto Yoshi. And we saw that in the first Mario 2 where they had green turtles and red turtles, mm -hmm. and they would, uh, they would say that one turtle would just walk off an edge and the other yeah. one was afraid and... This added a bit more personality to the game, added a bit more variety in a way. I mean, those can be that can be a great addition to the game. I mean, Sub Zero and Scorpion are two of the most famous characters in the Mortal Kombat franchise, and though they did go overboard, like I mentioned with every other mm -hmm. of the of these ninjas, you you couldn't imagine a Mortal Kombat game without those two. I mean, those are two yeah. of the most memorable, and it's all about what you do with uh, with the gameplay, the move set, and there's a lot of other ways you can you can make a uh, a character be be a lot more different just other than the visuals yeah and i think that's the the, the core of what um makes the use of palette swaps good is the opportunity to include and use some existing assets um if you had uh two different enemies that behaved very similar to one another but they look completely different then players can't get a read on them in the same way as if they were like reusing assets. Um, I think the, the one time where it doesn't work out is when you have an enemy that is just like a strictly, um, it's the blue Goomba, and this one has twice as much health and hits for twice as much damage. And that's just not an interesting use of an enemy because it, it basically means that as the player is um, earning experience and ranking up and getting more powerful, then this enemy is just a, you know, linear double to what it used to be. And now it's providing the essentially exact same play experience as what people were used to when they were level one, except now they're level five and effectively the enemy's level five. So what difference is there really? Yeah, you, you want to give people, this is something we touch on a lot. And I, I guess it means that it's just quite important to us and and then you want to visually represent a lot of things to a game yeah. uh, to a gamer you want to use the medium in a way that they can 
that first, if, if the first uh, bite of a meal is taken with the eyes, maybe the first attack or way you're going to deal with the problem should be approaching and seeing this Goomba and, and seeing how, how they're going to affect you. You know, another um, palette swap I see, and maybe because I haven't been involved in the PC world too much over the last couple of years in Blizzard games, mm-hmm. is everybody seems to have this built-in knowledge of what a legendary loot box is and <laughs> what's a rare and what's a common right off the bat where purples are very nice and blues and greens. This is something that I got into with Hearthstone yeah, and now with a bit of Overwatch, but I'm still, I still feel like I have to consult a legend when I see those items. But I mean, that's something that's kind of just become ubiquitous, um, you know, among gamers of games that put out loot. Yeah. I mean, you know, what, what is a skin for one of your characters and like, yeah, let's talk about Overwatch. Sure. Um, in terms of like the, the different skins you equip to your player, what are those, if not palette swaps, right? Absolutely, yeah. You're just changing a bit of the rules. The character's going to stay the same in terms of their like base values, but mm-hmm. you're just relatively changing some things around. I That's what I love about Overwatch is that you're allowing people to progress in a way... Um, what you are you're not affecting the balance of the game at mm-hmm. all you're just yeah go nuts with the visuals make them look like anything you want uh not just anything right okay the reason that a lot of um quote-unquote uh or rather a lot of skins are not much more than palette swaps are because blizzard is trying to preserve the character profile Sure, yeah, in terms of, because if, if they were all of a sudden they were bigger or smaller, mm-hmm. you would have an advantage or disadvantage of being hit. Yeah, I mean, there's that, and there's even just the simple readability. Right. Like, believe it or not, we really make a lot of, like, quick and subconscious judgments about a situation um, without taking in all the details of a skin just based on practically, like, the outline or the silhouette of a character. Sure. And we need, as players... Uh, in these games to be able to get a read on what a character, what enemies were faced with based on what they looked like. And so the like legendary skins in these games uh, in, in Overwatch um, sort of deviate from that in the most significant way, but every character is still recognizably that character and does not deviate from um, the certain like core stylings or whatever you don't want to there, there's always some element of it that is the exact same as the original model mm, because you true. don't want to lose the ability for players to figure out like one skin of one character should never look similar to a different skin of a different character yeah, you want to, it's it's like seeing that Goomba that has this the spike on top of his head. You want to know whether that's a character that you need to stay away from in with a really like split second muscle memory decision. The way you're going to interact with that character to maximize your chance of success. Yeah, and the, I think like when you uh, look at skins and the ability to like basically just switch your character's color around, um, it's something that makes you feel good as a player. Um, because everyone likes customization, um, except, you know, except the two us, of us yeah. were kind of immune to that for some odd reason. Um, mostly because, you know, if you're playing a game from a first person perspective, especially, you don't see your own skin. You see like your character's arm in the screen and that's about it. Um, like I only picked up Overwatch recently when they had a big sale and like the Black Friday deal, whatever. Um, and that meant that I got the like overgrown Bastion skin and all these other like fancy character skins. It's like, I mean, I guess I'll equip these because they're unique, but all it really demonstrates is that I paid more money for the game than getting the free edition. 
except that weekend where it was actually less expensive to buy the, you know, Origins bundle, I think it was called, um, than it was to buy the core game. Like it was 35 for the bundle versus 30 or $40 for the core game. So it was like, yeah, I'll spend less money and get more stuff. Thank you. Um, but yeah, so it people definitely like the sense of customization that these alternate skins reward. Um, the more rare you tell that Blizzard tells us a skin is, the more attractive it becomes automatically um that being said i do think that they put a lot of effort into the sort of quote-unquote legendary skins the most rare um alternate costumes that you can get for your characters um a lot of them do look pretty fancy if not if they're not necessarily things that i would personally play with um i can appreciate the effort that went into their design um but that's you know then you look at something like shiny pokemon right mm -hmm. and kids go absolutely nuts um, i'd say beyond just kids people go absolutely nuts for shiny pokemon and you know there's nothing different about them whatsoever except a palette swap and the fact that they have like a one in thirty thousand chance of appearing although i think they've reduced that number recently hmm. so I know I even worked at um, the the technology camp that I work at this past summer and a kid wanted to make his own sort of take on Pokemon where we built in the same mechanic of like you encounter a Pokemon every so often his own version of these things obviously he's drawn the artwork himself um, and then a every so every once in a while you'll encounter a shiny version of it like he just did a palette swap on it um, and the other kids at the camp were going nuts for it. Like if they, we, we obviously made the spawn chance much less than one in 30,000. We made it more like one in 30 uh, or one in 40 or something like that. But still seeing the, the reaction that the kids got means that there, there's clearly something to this. There's some like psychological effect that we're playing off of here in terms of like rarity or something like that. I guess, um, usually people have the association that if something is rare, it is more valuable, like precious metals and that sort of thing. Sure. I mean, looking at gold, looking at diamonds. If we go back to tracing the roots of humans, and if, if we're hunter-gatherers, mm -hmm. I would assume that if you find something that's very rare, you've contributed more to your tribe than the other guy who just brings in common berries. Yeah. And it's one of those things that's like almost a little, like on the irrational side of things in modern day society, you know, we're this surprisingly like almost raven-like aspect of us to be like, ooh, shiny. Um, and especially when it provides no functional difference, when it's um, not actually changing anything. And in, in the case of skins uh, in Overwatch, it rightfully should not be changing anything about the character. It should just be this sort of like glamour thing of like, hey, look, I've been playing the game for so long and I was able to either get through random chance or pay for um, or save up currency to purchase X skin for whichever character I play so often. I mean, it's like buying a... You, you see in some expensive brands of um, purses or clothing, mm. shiny shirts, you know, like Ed Hardy type shirts, or um, coach purses that have a whole bunch of C's all over the place, or this more glittery thing. When I was in... When I was in Hungary in the in the hospitals, these really run down hospitals, mm -hmm. uh, the they allowed the nurses and the the doctors 
although they had to wear white, they could wear whatever they wanted. And a lot of them would have like a, a little symbol that mm-hmm. said this was more of an expensive shirt. And I found that sometimes people from these countries that are not doing very well financially, mm-hmm. where it's very hard to make a living in Hungary, people wanted to show off their worth a lot more. Yeah. When I worked on cruise ships, people from some of the poorest countries like Ukraine, they were really into buying things that were shiny because mm-hmm. when they had the money, they wanted to say like, look, I got the money. It's yeah. it's like in a country where food is scarce, yeah. being fat is now a very attractive thing. So if you're playing a game that millions of people have, what is separating you other than your kill-death ratio, which they don't have in Overwatch? No. So you, you want to show someone that even if you're not good at it, I've spent enough time or enough money that I have the shiny character. Yeah, and I think that's something that um, Overwatch could stand to do a bit better in terms of its uh, the way its skins are distributed is like have some skins, and I, I know it, they do this with sprays. Like sprays are only awarded for achievements. Uh, certain sprays are. Um, but I, I really wish they would have more emphasis on like, if not in an outright skin, but um, some aspect of the character, if that could be influenced by like, you only get this if you are rank 100, you couldn't have just bought your way into whatever it is. Um, I think that would be pretty neat because then you could have like this badge, not just of wealth, but of experience. Yeah, and having those locked away where this is a tree you can climb up just by mm-hmm. playing the game. This is if you see somebody that spray, you know that that guy is like head sh- or girl headshot master. Mm-hmm. That's somebody you got to watch out for, and and that's more of a badge of honor rather than just the participation badge. Yeah. So yeah, that's that's sort of our like comprehensive look at uh, palette swaps. I think. You know, as I said at the top of the episode, a lot of people might have a sort of knee-jerk reaction to like, oh, it's just, a, you know, developers taking shortcuts. And, you know, quite rightfully, sometimes it is. Sometimes it's just uh, an inexperienced or um, not, not necessarily inexperienced, maybe a little too experienced. Maybe a developer who's like, oh, yeah, we can, I've done this before. We can just crank out a whole bunch of enemies and you know, play fast and loose with their stat increases and just give them different colors and that'll be enough. But, you know, at the end of the day, I think you have a more satisfying play experience if those visual differences actually indicate um, differences in kind among enemies that you're fighting. Um, And then aesthetically, the differences in skins let people express themselves, which matters a lot to people. Show, don't tell. And try to tell when you show. That's going to be this episode about palette swaps. My name is Matt. You can find my work at a90skid.com or the 90s Kid YouTube channel or on Twitter at GameThinkTalk. And you can follow me on Twitter at BluishGreenPro or you can check out my website, which is BluishGreenProductions.com. And tell a friend about the show. The more the merrier. Thank you very much. Bye for now. <laughs>